Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> The Super Sentai Brothers, this is episode 33 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Pretty well, man. I'm kind of tired. Not going to lie. It was like, kind of late last night. We had like a ton of people over for dinner. <laughs> and it was like, well, you were there, obviously, yeah. but uh, it was sort of an open invite dinner, and so a friend of ours brought a friend of hers, which is totally cool. Like, her friend was very nice, but everybody else had left, and it was just the friend of a friend who was hanging out, and she stayed till like quarter to one in the morning. And it was very like it was a very nice person, but it was a little bit odd. And also, I went to bed late. But what's more energizing than an episode of Trojan Sentai Jetman? Uh, good ver- for what else, yeah. Very few things, Dave. Very few things are better for it. And today we are watching episode thirty-three. It's a cockroach. Oh god, cockroaches are so gross. Um, well, I mean, luckily, this is not a real cockroach. Uh, this is well, a man good. in a giant cockroach suit. So I think, yeah. I think that your uh, your queasiness on the subject will be, you know, a little a little minimized. Yes. Although yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. we will wait and see. But Dave, before we get to that, <laughs> Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to know what our first star of the week is? Yes, I would. So, our first star of the week is, uh, you, dear listeners, may recall uh, that months ago, back when Jetman was first starting up, we had a guest on this show, uh, Michael, from the podcast Ranger Danger. Uh, They are one of the few Power Ranger podcasts that I listen to, uh, mostly them and the Morphin Grid, Uh, and they are starting a new sort of side project on their podcast called the Ranger Danger Boom Room. And it's very cool because a while ago what they did is they had the author of the new Power Rangers comic book, uh, Kyle Higgins. Um, oh, yeah. About, I have like, heard, his... I've heard some pretty good stuff about that book. Yeah, dude. That comic book looks great. Uh, and what's really cool is so they had him on to talk about it sort of before the show came out. And they had an interview. And now what they're doing is they have somehow lined it up with him that... Every after like every issue comes out, he is going to come back and do like a director's commentary, sort of like talking through the process of like writing this whole series as an ongoing podcast project. Oh dang! Which that I, is cool. Which is awesome. I listened to the first episode yesterday, which covers the zero issue and then issues one and two as well. Um, I don't have much to say about it because if you want to listen to it, like there's a whole like hour and forty five minute thing that you can go right. listen you to. You should just go listen uh, to that thing. Yeah, you should totally do that. It was great. Uh those yeah. two guys are uh, a lot so of fun. Shout out. And uh, Kyle Higgins, who is the writer of that book, is also very cool and insightful and it was neat to listen to his sort of background process on how he was putting the series together. Oh, good stuff, man. Shout out to uh yeah, to Matt and Mike. Congratulations on that. That sounds rad. 
And um, we should have you guys on the show again. That was a really good time. Actually, Matt, speaking of, this is like a super brief aside, but speaking of fun shows that review hilarious Japanese stuff, our old buddy Deep recently texted me and he said, hey man, would you like, would you mind if uh, my brother and I sort of like caged your style a tiny bit? Not like your particular flavor. No, 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 no. But uh, they were like, he was. What he was saying is, is that he would also like to do a review show. He does. He actually already does a podcast uh, about No Man's Sky. I don't know if he's still doing it. I think is it's about No Man's out Sky. Yet? No, no, no. It was. It's, it's about some other game. But anyways, so he <laughs> and his little brother Jeff. I don't think they've even started yet. I just wanted to tell you about it. Are going to be doing a review style podcast of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime. So, oh, dude, I have uh, heard I am, some wild stuff about that show. That's yeah, precisely. I played the game. It's there's a manga, and it has apparently been being written for. I, I was about to throw out like a fake number, but I don't actually know. But a long time, well, and so what, I am looking that, forward to uh, that. that. Video game was for the PlayStation One. So if that sh- book has been written yes, since then, precisely. that is a long time. And so uh, I don't like I said I don't think he's actually gotten started on it, but. You, uh, if, when he does, I'm sure he'll let us know and that we will let you know if you think listening to my voice is pleasant and my brother's voice is pleasant, wait till you hear the dulcet tones of, uh, of Deep. He's got a beautiful voice. It sounds like melted sex chocolate. Uh, not to be weird or nothing. <laughs> he just has a great <laughs> I don't know. I can't recover from that. There's no way to make that not weird. Melted sex well, chocolate Dave, is pretty then solid. Why don't we... <laughs> Move on to our second star of the week. What do we got? <laughs> so our second star of the week is uh, a little bit of a rant. So I'm I'm directing the one acts this year. Every year, I'm sort of directing it. Every year, we do two shows. I do a main stage show, and then I also have one acts. And what I do is I let the kids, like I choose three of my senior students, and they choose a show, and then they, you know, run auditions, and they direct the show, and it's a cool, you know, it's a cool experience for them. So, and I sort of oversee the whole thing. Here's my problem. When you go to buy scripts, because there's a couple of places that are like, you know, script publishing houses, right? And they give you right. a synopsis. They'll say, this is what this play is about, and some of them even have kind of advanced search functions where you can say, well, you know, like I'm doing this play on uh, in a black box theater, not a main stage. And I want a show that has audience participation. And I need a show that doesn't have any nudity in it or something like that. You know what I mean? So you can sort of okay. tell it what you do and do not want. But the problem is, is that you can't actually read the script until you've already purchased it. So all you have is like a three-sentence synopsis of this show, and based on that synopsis, you have to decide if you would like to put the show on, (laughs) unless somehow, you know, you've seen it before or something. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it gets real weird. And even if you check the box that That says this is for a high school production... If you check the box, it says, this is for a high school production. There's a lot of uh, different I, kinds of high schools. 
Yeah, I don't know what Samuel French Incorporated, like what kind of high school they went to, but the stuff that I got from them was not appropriate for high school. I had to go and make like some fairly serious edits. And like, listen, man, I get it. Everything on the internet is is stolen or could be stolen. But man, could you give me like, I don't know, like a rental copy for a dollar and it would expire after a day or something so I could actually read the script and decide <laughs> if I want to do the show. So that's my... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I just, I, it took me like four hours to go through and edit out all the mentions of like, I, I'm not even going to say it because then Mark would just have to edit it out. But, <laughs> but, but it, yeah, man, I, I got these shows, but it's turned out okay. It's turned out okay. And then two of my directors dropped out because one of them, I, I don't know, because they're teenagers. And sure. then one of them was like that, not that doing well in their classes, no right? But I got some other kids who who like kind of had wanted to do it and like didn't think they were going to be able to, but then they could, so it all worked out. So the shows are in uh, two and a half weeks. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So what? <laughs> what Matt is our third star of the week? Uh, Dave, our third star of the week is that uh, yesterday or the day before? I forget. Uh, it was Earth Day. Now it was yesterday. Listen, was it yesterday? Yeah. Okay. So at the office, For as much as it matters, um, they like whenever there is a holiday for which we don't like have the day off. Like the uh-huh. HR department will put together a little something to be like, hey, like you're at work and it's a holiday, but like you know we're gonna do a little thing. Here's some cupcakes. Here's an activity. Here's whatever. I talked about it okay, earlier so when we you... did um, the St. Patrick's Day stuff. Right, right, right. So I am starting to realize you work in a fun office, TM, like capital F, capital O, fun office, right? Oh, yeah. They they put a lot of work into making sure that, you know, we've got a foosball table. You know, like it's one of those offices. How uh, fun? How, like beer cooler fun? No, it's free not snacks beer fun? cooler fun. It is, uh, there is like a place that you can like play a hole of golf outside. Like it's that okay. kind of fun. Uh, but That's it is pretty not fun. Like have a beer with lunch, kind of fun. Got it. Did I ever tell you about so that's my? A, that's the window that we're looking at here. Got it. That's your fun quotient. Did I ever tell you about my brother-in-law's company? Sorry to interrupt your story. Did I ever tell you about um, their their thing and how they hired the mountain? Did I tell you this story? How do you hire a mountain, Dave? Okay, yeah, no, 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 sorry. The mountain from the Game of Thrones. So, real quickly, the 30-second version of this story is that it's a startup, it's a tech startup in Austin, and all the tech startups in Austin, of which there are apparently like a million, every year they have something called the Startup Games. And it's just like carnival games, but they compete and it's like for charity or something. And every year, there is an unnamed and undisclosed feat of strength. And that is like, that's one of the events, is a feat of strength, right? And so I think it was last year, my brother-in-law's company hired Hafthor Bjornsson, who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones and is like the strongest man in the world, for a week 
to be their director of Nordic development. <laughs> and they just flew him in from like whatever lonely Scandinavian mountain he broods on to work for their like work, quote unquote, for their company for a week. For the for the explicit purpose of having him compete in the startup games and completely dominate the feat of strength. So, that is tremendous. It's amazing. So anyway, so you also, though, you work in a fun office, TM. Yes, well, I mean, this is going to sound like sort of a letdown because we didn't have The Mountain come in. Uh, whoever that is, Sorry, I cannot I sh- watch that television show. Because, uh, hey, guess what? That show and The Walking Dead are both shows about what order the main characters are going to die in, and that is not my kind of jam. So, uh, what we had instead is a park ranger came in, and they brought some wildlife, and there were just That's some, awesome! There were some turtles rolling around who were just, like, sitting in a room, and she just let the turtles wander. I put up a picture the other day on the the, uh, the old Twitter. Um, oh, yeah! It was adorable. I kind of want to get a pet turtle now. That's basically all that I have. Uh, if you have the you chance can to do like, go to a place where there's like a little box turtle walking around, you should do that. Turtles are great. Man, any place where you get to sort of interact in a, in a friendly and chill way with animals, I do not often think that I would like to be a talk... No, that's not true. I do think I would like to be like a late night talk show host. I think that would be a lot of fun, obviously. But the thing that I think would be the super... my ideal job. Yeah, right. Just sit around and like crack if jokes I, with if funny I had people. like a genie and I had like three wishes, one of those wishes would be that I would like to be a late night talk show host. So, but they always have animal experts on and they just show up, you know, with like a lemur or something. That's awesome. I want that. And so, think, uh, like, I, I almost didn't go see the turtles because I was like, yeah, I got some work to do. What am I going right, to go stuff. stare at an animal? And then I no. looked, went, I was like, dude, animals are great. Like, I, I'm right. not like a big animals guy, but like every once in a while I let down the old facade and really just enjoy some chill time with a cool turtle. And it was amazing. Right. Go see that baby turtle. But you should. You could get a turtle. That's they're not. I don't think they're expensive. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. You should. You should. So uh, what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Our fourth star of the week, Dave, is a thing that I did buy uh, this morning on my way back from the gym. Yeah, I went to the gym. It's 2016. I'm up in my game. Uh, On my way back from the gym, I stopped off at the old GameStop and I picked up Star Fox Zero. (laughs) Uh, the and, old and here's GameStop. The, here's, here's the jam, Dave. Uh, I played that game for a half an hour, and I am a little angry that we are recording this right now because I desperately want to go play Star Fox. And the fact so that we what? are doing this and not that kind of pains me. Like, in fact, I like I pulled out my special flipping coin because uh, I have a special flipping coin. It says yes on one side and no on the other uh, just to check if it would, like, give me the out to put off recording this until tomorrow. Uh, it did not. <laughs> so here we it. are. You're welcome. So so Star Fox is this, uh, this is more like the old, this is not a Star Fox Adventures game, right? This is you're in a plane no, and you're... No, no, no. This is, a, this is a full-on Star Fox game. It's you, it's Falco, it's Slippy, it's Peppy, you're in your R-Wings, you're, sh- you're fighting Andros. Like, it is cool old school Star Fox, except that what's really cool is that, um, listen, I know that the Wii U's controller is weird. Uh, I know that it a lot is of a people little don't bit, like it. It is a little bit, but I, I like it. But 
But, like, for Nintendo games, like, they always use it well. And so, on the TV screen, you've got your ship and everything going on around you. And on the Wii U screen, um, is, like, the view from the inside of your cockpit. Oh, um, no way. Which is really cool. So, like, if you are locked onto something on the screen... Um, like the camera will pan out so that the thing that you are locked onto that you're targeting will stay in the center. Um, but your plane, like your R wing is no longer the center of the camera. So it's kind of hard to watch what you're doing, except that you can uh, then look okay. down at the Wii U tablet where you see from inside your cockpit, what is going on. It's And amazing. then you're nice. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a heck of a game, man. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I kind of forgot that I am not great at Star Fox, and so that is something I'm going to have to be contending with, but uh, it is super great. I am also, yeah, I am also not great at Star Fox. I always had a lot of problems. Okay, in the original one, they would have a mission where it would say, stay in formation, and you just had to follow what everyone else was doing, and I, A, did not get the point of those missions, and B, was terrible at them, but... I don't know, man. Maybe I would be better at it now. I have whatever. So, Matt, our <laughs> our fifth star is just labeled Sandwich Weekend. And I was about to ask you, because sometimes we chat about the stars before we record them. And I was about to ask you a question about this. And I thought, no, let's make my reaction to Sandwich Weekend a little more pure. So, What? Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> let me let me just give you a little background. So the part of town that I live in, it's like, like uh, how do how, the best way to describe it is that like there there are nice places and like cool houses and like nice apartments and stuff, but it's also the yeah, kind of no, place it's, where a, you'll it's just, a nice like, part of town. But it's also the kind of place where you'll just like find a shopping cart. Like, on the sidewalk somewhere, just abandoned. You know? Like yeah, it's, it's that is also true. Where, like, in the same stretch of storefronts is, like, a nice vegan restaurant. And a what I am beginning to suspect is an abandoned vape store. And, like... The best kind of vape store. And a, a Thai place that, like, closed down overnight to move somewhere else, we think. Like, that is, like, just imagine that. Like, that is the kind of part of town that I live in, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of big when, cities when have new, that part of town. Right. And so when new places open up, like, the, the two things that open up in this part of town are, like, bars and places that you yeah. can get a nice sandwich. Like, those are the oh, two. okay. If you were trying to open like a new those business, are the, like, in gotcha. or near Ohio City... Like, that's what you're going to do. It's going to be a bar, or it's going to be a sandwich shop, or it's going to be a bar that is also a sandwich shop. Like, there are some other things, like some It's outliers. a good combo. I like bars and sandwiches. So do I. But here's... The, okay, but here's the problem, Dave, is that, like, in the last couple of months, I swear to you, like, 
five new sandwich places have opened, and I have not been to any of them. <laughs> and I feel like the, like there's no way that I'm going to organically make sure that I get to all of these places before like at least one of them inevitably closes, because there's no way that the market can sustain that many sandwich shops within <laughs> that small amount of like area. So what I need to do at some point, in some point soon, is just schedule a weekend and, like, make an itinerary and, like, go through and hit all of the sandwich shops that I have been hearing good things about before they all, like, vanish in the mists. Well, theoretically, they will like, all vanish. Know, a shuffleboard bar, which, by the way, there's going to be a shuffleboard bar opening near me that I'm sure will be a future star in probably a couple of months. <laughs> I uh I literally have no idea how to play shuffleboard. Like I don't understand. I know that you shuffle like a puck across a board and that's it. I know there's a triangle at each end. That's all I got. No, I mean I, neither do I because so far as I know the barrier to entry on learning to play shuffleboard is that you need to buy a ticket to a cruise. Uh and I have never done that. So I have never played shuffleboard. Or you could be an old person who lives in a retirement home, like a retirement village community. Another they have shuffleboard there sometimes as well. Anyway, so so instead of talking about a game that neither of us have played, uh, why don't we instead, Dave, switch to talking about Chojin Sentai Jetman, episode 33. It's a cockroach. Okay, welcome back. We have just finished watching episode 33. It's a cockroach, Dave. I know we had had a little concern before we went into the break. How did the cockroach treat you? Uh, he was a little weird. Not actually for the reasons I was concerned about. It was a weird one. I do feel like I watched just like a 20-minute commercial. I mean, the whole show after fashion is a 20-minute commercial. But this one, really, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't tell me how much it cost. <laughs> you know, you are not wrong. Uh, it is, it is, they managed to put a good episode around the new toy. Uh, and also, the new toy is pretty <laughs> rad. It is. It combines with another toy that you should already have. And if you don't, now you definitely want to get it. So, because as of course, this episode epi- the opens, best way to make the technology work better is to plug in more technology. You just jam it together with other stuff. That's how technology works. Sega has proven this to us. Right. Stacks on stacks on stacks. <laughs> of pointless electronics. So when the episode opens up, it is just a, a girl, and she is walking through the dream realm of the Super Sentai world. Which, this actually is kind of fun, that all Sentai worlds seem to have... The same Sentai Versus seem to share a dream realm because it's always a weird backlit thing in like red lights and there are just Grecian columns and mist. And that's what the dream world looks like. Yep. It is as though... And in this dream world... Like the studio who makes the Sentai shows just built their dream room and every year when they need to do an episode (laughs) with the dream, they're like, oh yeah, it's down the hall, room 7B. That's where you film dreams. Super easy. We've already got it. You don't need to sweat it. So this dream, and then they bring in other props. And so this dream realm has what looks at first, to me at least, like it's supposed to be a duck. It's not. It's just a weird sort of abstract shape. 
and but there's a bunch of them, and they're on strings, and they're sort of slowly drifting slash rotating in the mist. And then you see this little girl, and she is walking through the mist, and she is just seeing. It just look. Like, all I can say is it's laser patterns. Yeah, there are just. It's like a hologram of like shapes. a. Yeah. And those are all very geometric and angular. And then she wakes up and she has drawn the weird patterns on sheets of paper in crayon. Yes, like she wakes up and has been sleep drawing and is just surrounded by these sheets of paper. So, man, who knows? Because then the scene just ends. That's it. So then now we see kids playing baseball. And you might think that the little girl we saw a second ago is going to be playing baseball. She's not. These are totally different kids. And so they're playing. Uh, The pitcher throws the ball to the batter. The batter takes a swing, but the ball sticks to the bat. Yes. This terrifies the children. (laughs) Yeah, which is legit. Like, if I were playing baseball and then just all of a sudden the rules of physics seemingly stopped applying, I would be upset. But we find out why. It's not that the rules of physics are broken all of a sudden. It's that this week's biodimensional beast is called Adhesion Cockroach. Now, Dave. AC. Adhesion Cockroach is a dude in a giant cockroach costume. He's a dude. And that cockroach yep. costume just has like tubes, it's just tubes of, glue of glue on it. Just sort of like strapped to it at awkward angles. This is maybe the laziest costume design that we have seen in a very long time. Maybe since the mirror dimension. In a real long time. Even the mirror dimension had a I was just going to talk about mirror dimension. Yeah, it's a really boring monster. So he's gluing kids to the ground. And okay, man. We don't actually see a whole lot of adhesion cockroaches attacks. Like he we will see him and he yells adhesion and then whatever it is that's being glued to whatever it is that's being glued to just gets glue squirted on it. Yes. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. And I'm not going to talk about it a lot. But man, it just looks like Maybe this is supposed to be some adult content uh, of a particular sort that Japan is apparently into. Like, I don't know another way to say that. And I'm trying to not, like, I'm trying to be delicate about it here. But it doesn't look appropriate for kids. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm the one bringing (laughs) uh, a, a dark mind to this. But the, uh, the the visuals, let's just say that this is all we are going to they say leave about something it throughout the rest of the episode. To be desired. Uh, yeah, the visuals are a little lacking, and maybe they could have taken a second pass at them. Yes. Maybe someone else should have thought, mm, maybe we could figure out a way, different way to make this look. But anyways, uh, it, let's it, move it, past it that. It's my cardinal rule of most anything, which is whenever you create a new thing, you should run it by a panel of teenage boys, and if they uncontrollably start snickering at it, then you change that thing immediately. Yeah, whatever it is. And it does not, it, it applies always, and it does not matter how long you have worked on it. You just have to change it. You've got to change it now. So, and this, he this glues these kids to the ground. on Every level. 
literally, yeah, all the levels. So he glues these kids to the ground, but he doesn't do anything. Like, I don't know what Adhesion Cockroach's plan is. Like, I don't know how Adhesion Cockroach leads to world domination, but we leave the baseball field, and then we see some girls, and they're running on a track, and then they also get glued to the track, and then we go to the Virum Dimension, and we're seeing a bunch of, you know, people being on their, like, teleprompter, not teleprompter, they're, like, telescreen, and they're being glued to things. Just, like, people being glued to the street as they're crossing the street, cars getting glued in place, but again... Adhesion Cockroach does not then use that as an opportunity to attack. He's literally just walking around and sticking some things to other things. Right. And normally in the Viram dimension, even if it's a weird monster, we get some sort of explanation as to how whatever it is that the monster is doing will then lead to Viram dominance on Earth. We have nothing for Adhesion Cockroach. The the last couple of episodes, the last couple of episodes that we've been dealing with Gorgon Ramon, I feel like maybe the Virum commanders are out of practice. And so they're just like, man, I don't know. Let's let's start small. We got to really build back up to it. We got really distracted with those pineapple vampires. Why don't we just pick two things at random? It is as though Maria just threw her, like, dimensional bug into the trash and it latched onto two things inside of the trash can and now that's what they're dealing with. Yeah. I, that's as good a guess as anything, Except man. Except the last because time they happened, don't even have an a actual trash monster that was amazing. So I don't know what's happening. I don't know. So her, Maria's only commentary on Adhesion Cockroach is she says, yes, make those humans suffer for what they've done, like, to your people... And we just get a bunch of shots of, like, a roach point of view as people are hitting them with newspapers and magazines and spraying them with, uh, like, pesticides. And so I guess that is Adhesion Cockroach's motivation, is to just get revenge on humans for killing cockroaches. Right. So, now we cut away from this, and we cut to an otherwise abandoned bar on a boat where Guy and Ryu appear to be on a date. Okay. No, I didn't think it was like a date or anything. I didn't no, think okay. it looked I'm like that. Okay, I'm just saying, like, they were both, like, <laughs> hanging out by themselves. Like, Ryu pours Guy a shot, and they both sort of sit there and look at the shot and look at each other and, like, a toast, man. Like, yes. Like, now it is I time. Thought- this, I thought, was an awesome moment, first of all, because we ne- like Ryu never drinks. This dude orders milk at the bar, but he's having a drink with Guy, and Ryu said, he says something to the effect of, like, let's toast to the future, that, like, we're both on board now. And then the chief calls. This, this is a great moment, man. This, the this chief really calls, and she, they both hear it on their cross changers, and she says, hey, guys get to like sector whatever whatever and they both put their drinks down and they look at each other and they're like huh and they nod and then they both get up and they run out and it was great because they you know this is the team now man like guy is on board and ryu has kind of gotten the stick out of his butt like they're cool now everybody's on team Jetman. it's rad it's it was very cool it was a great moment for those two it just, it struck me because I think the last time we were in that, like, boat bar restaurant was when Guy and Kauri were on a date, and it felt very similar. 
Except that actually when so, Guy and Calry were on a date, they were kind of having a fight, and these two are not. Yeah, this is actually a much nicer moment. So we go to the docks, and everybody shows up on... They're all together, the Jetman are, and they are in their special vehicles. And everything's going cool. They're, like, whipping down the road. But then Ryu is thrown clearly. He launches out the front of the uh, jet bazooka, jet striker, slash his dune buggy. And we find out why is that Adhesion Cockroach has glued the wheel shut real sudden, or not shut, but, like, to the ground real suddenly, and that causes the car to stop, and he is thrown out of the front. So they all sort of stop, and they're like, aha, here he is. Let's fight. So they start to fight him. And the thing about adhesion cockroach is that since he's a cockroach, he kind of scurries around and he's very difficult for them to target. Yeah, man. He is like, okay, so he's like shadow, like shadow gliding basically away from other people. And they are, you know, they sort of speed up his movement. They just run the camera fast. But there is some really impressive movement going on from a dude in a giant rubber cockroach suit. This dude is doing, like, flips and climbing up stuff, and, yeah, it was pretty cool. So they finally managed to, like, shoot him. Uh, he falls over, and they're like, okay, now it's time for the fire bazooka, but they can't summon it because, of course, the bazooka is also Ryu's dune buggy, which is currently glued to the street. Right. So, so instead, they try. Like, okay, well, I guess we'll just have to use like our um, uh, the bird, bird bomber, bomber, which is the thing which where is they put their... the sword inside the gun, and then they shoot the guns all at the same time. Yeah, this used to be pretty effective, but that was in the era of just dimensional beasts. We're in biodimensional beast territory now, and it is not enough. Right, the, it is the not strong enough up to that particular game, and the Jetman have not yet. Right. So, apparently Adhesion Cockroach has a flamethrower on one of his arms. I think it's... <laughs> I think he has a flamethrower because all of those super strong industrial glues and solvents are always saying, like, keep it away from flame because the vapors are very flammable. That's this the actually, only explanation I have I think as to why he has a flamethrower. Because when they tried to shoot him with the bird bomber, like, it exploded. And so he got, like, the cockroach got back up, but there was fire all over the place. And so then when he started shooting, I'm not sure if he has a flamethrower or if he literally just has, like, a sticky aerosol can thing that he was shooting through the fire that turned it into a flamethrower. Well, he does. He uses the flamethrower later on in the episode. So I think he does have some oh, sort of, that's like... Right flamethrowery thing. This but game, this, this show week, is ruining my headcanon. Sorry, man. But we do now see my favorite thing about Adhesion Cockroach is that they'll shoot him and he'll go down and you think he's dead and then he just jumps back up like a cockroach. And I thought that it's was great. a kind of a fun moment. Okay. So uh, that scene ends. We just, you know, I guess that fight's over now. And we're back at Sky Camp. And the chief is saying, well, listen... I understand that your bird blasters are not strong enough. And she opens up a box and there are their new weapons slash your new toys, boys and girls. And, and it's it called the Beak Smasher. Now, the Beak Smasher looks like a sort of a heavy duty version of their current bird blasters. It's got two yes. barrels instead of one. And it is red and it's like a little, it's just a little beefier. Okay. <laughs> this is awesome 
because I am, I'm like 95% sure they did not make a prop for this show. I am pretty certain that these are just the actual Bird Blaster toys. Oh, oh, of course. Listen, there is, I remember, um, I think it was Chris Sims was saying it, but he was quoting somebody else and I don't remember who that was. So I can only sort of give uh, attribution like one layer deep here. Anyway, whoever it was was saying that one of the genius bits about the Super Sentai series is that they make all of the props just look exactly like toys so that when you go to the store and buy the toy, it looks exactly like the prop that you see in the show. Right. Yeah. And they're so, like, not... this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. You're not getting like a crummy version of what you saw in the show because the show is just using the toy. Yeah. It's which beautiful. is pretty brilliant. So the beak smasher has three times the power. Of the bird blaster. And Guy asks a very reasonable question, which is, He's like, why, why is, haven't we the had these before? about this? And then the chief and uh, Ryu share a look. And here's what we find out. Is that they had been working on the Beak Smasher prior to the Virum's invasion and slash like destruction of the Jetman space base. And so the Beak Smasher isn't actually done. It's mostly done, but it doesn't have a power source. And right. Dr. Whatever his name was, whose name I don't remember, He's literally was just working the on the power in source. in my notes at any time that it came oh, Okay. Out. So yeah, he, he was, was working, working on, the, on power the power source. And he had actually developed the whole thing, but like he didn't trust the military to not... like really take advantage of this weapon and, like, go to town on it. And so he, like, withheld his research on the final component component of the Beak Smasher uh, so that they couldn't be put into the field. Which is weird because why else was he... Like, he was developing it for the Jetman program. So what was he waiting for is my question. I don't know. Although, remember, at the time, the Jetman program was very different. It wasn't just, like, these five people fighting the Virum. It was the military creating Unstoppable's bird super soldiers. Oh, you know, that actually is a good point. So, we find out that the Doc has a daughter, Mika. And that is the little girl that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. So the chief and the jetman say, okay, well, maybe he left his research at home. Like, maybe if we go to his place, we can find whatever they were working on there, because obviously it's not here. So they go to find Mika, but Mika is, like, hooked up to a machine when they get there. Yeah, and now I am not clear if this is supposed to be at her house or it's at a hospital or something, because it seems like it's just at her place. But yeah, she is hooked up to... Mika is 100% an orphan now, and she is maybe eight years old. Yeah, uh, but she seems to be real self-sufficient. But she is hooked up to, I guess, like some sort of brain scanner. And uh, Ryu and the chief are talking to the doctor, and he is saying... Not the doctor that was her dad, just the actual medical doctor. And he is saying that something has entered her mind. There are memories in her brain that are not native to, like, the rest of her her. memory. So, I don't know what other research her doctor dad was doing, 
but it clearly was not limited to beak smashers. No, so it was beak smashers and like brain manipulation, I guess. Yeah, subliminal data storage in his child's brain. So we flash over to Mika's house. So Ryu is sitting there looking at these. They're not like even plans. They're just geometric drawings. Uh, and they're all in crayon. And I get the sense that he has enough technical like understanding to recognize that whatever these drawings are, they are part of something, but he can't put it together. He doesn't know yeah, what, what it is. What they look like is imagine you are looking at like a schematic drawing of a circuit board, but you've zoomed super close to it and then you've cut it up into pieces. And that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, that that makes sense. And so he says, hey, you know, I, I know things have been rough for you. He says, I remember your dad. He was a great guy. And she says, nope, he wasn't. He was a failure as a father. He was never home. I never saw him. And then we yeah, get a, a sad flashback. But he was just like an awful dad. And we get this sad flashback of Mika's interactions with her father. And every time she goes to talk to him, he kind of brushes her off and just says, listen, I'm working on something very important. I can't be bothered with this right now. Just, you know, go play or something. And then, of course, she goes outside to play and is immediately confronted by a girl her age and her father walking down the street and just having, like, the best, like, daddy-daughter time. Like, Dad, yeah, I'm so Dad happy has that you're willing to spend time with me. Thank you for this gift. I'm going to brag to all of my friends at school about how great you are. Like, it is, like, a cartoon of how great this sort of situation can be. <laughs> so, uh, when we flash back to real world, and Ryu says, No, man, your dad didn't forget you. He was just super busy. But look, here's this music box. And it's a little, it's like a wind-up music box. And Ryu says it was handmade, which I have a little trouble believing. But, this is important, there's a little spinny bit in the music box, and it's the same shape as the cutouts that we saw spinning around in Mika's Dream at the beginning of the episode. Right. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, he did give me this birthday present, but let me show you another flashback as to why this was awful. And it cuts back... And Mika is at home. She has been cooking her own birthday dinner all day, waiting for her dad to get back from space, I guess. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I'm not sure what the commute situation is to space, <laughs> but I feel like it's got to be kind of a big deal. And so, like, the doorbell rings, which is weird because you would think, because she thinks it's her dad, but why would he ring the doorbell? But she goes to the yeah, door, and she opens just, it up, and you know. she's very excited. And it's a courier that says, hey, this was being sent from your dad. He can't make it home. Courier, like, just leaves. She opens the box. It's the music box. Dinner is ruined. She cries on the couch. Sad times all around. Yeah, there was something I want to point out. I've actually noticed it for a while, and I keep forgetting to bring it up. That anytime something sad or unpleasant happens, we get this sort of trumpet music that appears, that, that plays in the background. And the first maybe four or five notes of it are identical to the theme song from The Godfather. <laughs> Have you noticed You're this? It wrong. goes like, da, na, na, na. And then it changes. But every time I hear it, it I'm like, why is the God? Oh, no, wait, this is the same music as, as before. So 
So she obviously is day, upset about this. She has finished recounting this story to Ryu, and she sort of storms out of the room. And in so doing, she knocks the music box off the table, and it breaks into... Okay, listen. This thing is like... It's the little wind-up bit, and then the rotating cutout part inside just like an empty snow globe shell. There is nothing to this thing, but they treat it as though it's like this intricately designed handmade thing. Anyway, she knocks it off and the four pieces that it is made out of all fall into different directions. So that's happened now. Yeah, I, I guess. So that's it's, the it's end of that just scene. It's as though it is shattered into a million pieces, but it's literally made out of like four parts. And so the effect <laughs> is somewhat diminished. So we go from there and we just see a building explodes and that's all we sort of get in that moment, we go back to base. We go back to, uh, you know, Sky Camp. And the chief is there, and she is looking at these drawings. And now she is the first person who realizes that not only are these, yes, in fact, some sort of technical document, they are the plans, however much in pieces, of the power source for the Beak Smasher. Because, of course, they are, but continuity so the chief talks to Ryu about this and is saying like listen these are the plans for the energy source like somehow and again who knows how but the doctor dad has somehow subconsciously implanted false memories into Mika's brain that contain the full schematics of the power source for a deadly laser cannon and this is what's the best part about that is that the chief the chief doesn't even say somehow she just says that he has done this like it ain't no thing like the, right. this is just a totally reasonable form yes. of data storage and Ryu is like oh okay i understand of course yeah he doesn't question it at all that this and is what her thing. dad has done is that somehow he has managed to do this by like while at the same time never speaking to his daughter. I don't know what he yeah. has done. Um, I do actually have a theory as to how he like subconsciously implanted this thing, but it's a bonkers theory that doesn't make any sense. Uh, we will talk about it in a little bit. But yeah, that is where they are right now. And so what Ryu says is that Mika misunderstands her father. Like, he, she doesn't get what it's happening. And so this is why she's having trouble remembering that, like, her psychic static with her dad is causing difficulty in remembering the plans for this power source. And then Ryu right. says, I don't think we should make her suffer just to remember. And I don't know where he got that because no one else was saying it. I, my notes literally just say I have no idea what is happening with the plans or the memories or how Mika has them or how the chief plans to get them out of her. Like, none of this makes sense. Yeah, here's a, here's a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, Mark just had to cut out a few minutes of audio of me trying to figure out what my notes said because none of this really makes sense. <laughs> it doesn't. It's okay. So let's because skip again, all this junk. You just said like we don't we shouldn't make her suffer to remember this stuff. He immediately drops that and the next scene he has with Mika, he's desperately trying to get her to remember this stuff. So 
yeah, let's just skip to the next scene. Because what we have now is Ryu is fixing this music box. And he has fixed it for her. And he says, and she, but she, and she arrives. And he says, listen, I, I want you to understand how big of a deal this was. It wasn't that your dad didn't love you. And so now I think this is his plan. Because what he has seen, I forgot about this. What he said before is that if she can make her peace with her father, then maybe she'll remember. And so he says, listen, you need to understand. It's not that your dad didn't love you. It's not even that he didn't want to spend time with you. It's just that only he could do this and his work would help save not just you, but the whole world. And, and so, so she counters like, well, then why did he like put this thing in my brain that's causing me so much suffering? Like, why didn't it occur to him that like that might kind of suck for me? And, and Ryu's response Ryu's is basically and, oh like, oh my gosh, he says, "Well, your peace-loving father, who was like a weapons designer, your peace-loving father." wanted to make sure that it would be used for good. And so that's why he subliminally implanted the design in your brain. Because he trusted he you more than anyone. To communicate, yeah, is that he trusted you more than any of the other people at the J program. Which, on one hand, is sweet. On the other hand, I don't know that I would trust a little girl with the, like, secrets to saving the universe over, you know, every colleague that you have. But listen, I'm not a father, so maybe it's different. Yeah, maybe maybe it is. (laughs) Um, Okay, so there's an attack all of a sudden, and uh, the rangers, not the rangers, the jetmen, they show up. They're fighting adhesion cockroach. Things are going very poorly for them. And it's kind of the same jam as we got before. They're trying to attack. He's scurrying around. They get him down. He pops back up. But then he does this, his like flamethrower attack again. And this time, Mika gets hurt. By the way, up until this point, like I thought that we had cut away to a completely different scene. And I do not know how Mika got from where she was to that fight to where she is about to be in Sky Camp. Yes, so I, I guess Ryu just for some reason takes her with him to the fight, and yeah, like, then hey, she gets I hurt. I gotta go fight this giant cockroach that shoots glue everywhere. Uh, why don't you tag along? Yeah, no, just just come along. Maybe this will help you remember your thing that we need you to remember. Let's just put you in harm's way, and maybe that will help. Anyway, so, so she gets attacked with a flamethrower, and Chief gets her out of there and brings her to Sky Camp. Yes. Well, no, Ryu brings her to Sky Camp. He is there with her at Sky Camp. And my assumption had been that the fight was just over. But apparently it's not because Ryu just leaves immediately and goes back to the fight. And so Chief is at Sky Camp and she is starting to put together these schematics because they desperately need the Beak Smasher. And she's trying to figure out if they have enough from the designs that they've gotten from Mika up to this point to be able to put it together. But she's still missing one key part of the design and can't figure it out without her. Yeah, we, she does not have this last piece of the thing. So, uh, Ryu, we, and this is kind of flashing back between what's happening at Sky Camp and the fight. But honestly, 
the fight is not actually terribly interesting. Like nothing. It's just a kind of standard Super Sentai fight. So I'm going to skip all of that stuff. Because what's interesting is what's happening back at Sky Camp, okay? Yeah, because stuff here starts to get like, okay. So Mika is unconscious, right? So she starts yes. to dream. And she is and back she's... in her weird, like, you know, pillars and abstract shapes and fog dream landscape. And she looks over to one side and she sees her dad working at a bench. And he is working on the music box that we made from her or that he made for her. And we get the impression that she is seeing this as it happened, which can't be true because he wasn't there. Like she never saw him working on it, but then he disappears. Yeah, She walks up and is trying to get his attention, but then like the desk is just empty. She looks at the desk. She sees the music box. She sees a picture of herself on the desk. Which is sort of, I and guess, so, proof to her that like her father did love her after all because she they had a picture on the desk, I guess? That, I think, is what we're supposed to see. So he turns ar- she turns around, and then her dad is there, and she gives him a dream hug, and he apologizes. He says, hey, I'm really sorry. I know that I wasn't there for you all the time. I wish I could have been. But I had to do this. And he, he says the same thing Ryu said. He said, I had to do this to save not only the world, but you. And like you're the most important part of it for me. And then, but okay, the strange thing about this is, is it's happening in a dream. But it very much seems like she is talking to the ghost of her dad. Which honestly, Because he seems like a very active part of this. Which, yeah, who knows? Maybe she is. And he gives her the last piece of the schematic. And, and she, he says here... Yeah, like he apologizes to her. She apologizes to him for being selfish and wanting time with him, which I think might be going a little overboard. Yeah, that's a bit much. Like, I can understand forgiving him for never being around, but apologizing to him because you were being super selfish that you wanted your only parental figure to have some role in your life, that seems a bit of a stretch, Mika. That's just, again, <laughs> that's just me, though. I'm not going to so, try to judge their family situation. So she has, she's got the last schematic. She wakes up and then she turns to the chief and she sort of like draws this thing and the chief puts it in her machine, and then she finally has the plans for the power source. Now, what's great also about this apparently, is that apparently this is hooked up to a machine that can immediately construct those things. That's just what I was going to say, because as soon as she has the plans, she's ready to go. Because, okay, well, about ready to go. We flash back to the fight. And the Jetmen do have a pretty good idea. They say, listen, combine the wing beam that shoots out of the wing gauntlet and the bird blaster and do both of those at the same time and maybe that'll be enough. It turns out it is not. Although it was a cool idea. Then Marie, It was a good idea. So Maria arrives and she is just there to see the final moments of the Jetmen because the Jetmen are down. But sudden attack. Uh, uh, adhesion cockroach is blown up. And we flip back or the camera pans, rather. Oh, and we, we see... Of, we get the best shot of the entire episode. It is... We, ju- we just see the gun. 
this beak smasher in the chief's white gloved hands. And sort of pant, we get a long shot of the toy just in case you forgot what it looked like. And it sort of pans back and then we see the chief and she's standing behind the car just grinning like a mad woman. Super psyched about her new destructive power. She is so glad to have this new laser gun. Like this has made her day. So we see we see the Jetman and we was like, yeah, awesome. And so she throws him one and then we just see for some reason we just see a couple shots of beak smashers being thrown through the air. So we see Ryu, and he's got his beak smasher, and then we get kind of a point of view shot of him, I guess, aiming it, and he says, motion tracker, and then he shoots a laser blast at adhesion cockroach, and apparently, the beak smasher is capable of producing omega beams. Yeah, because they just track that dude all over the place. Like, he is trying to run away, and the beam is just doing that sweet Omega Beam move, where it's, like, taking right angles and following the thing that it is trying to murder. Yeah, it's a little bit more direct than the Omega Beam, but it definitely is that thing. And so they, they blast him, he goes flying, and then we find out why the Beak Smasher is so much powerful than the Bird Blaster. Yes, because you can combine the two together. So now you've like plugged two like handguns together into what is essentially a giant laser rifle. And then when you shoot all of those together, it is the smash bomber, which is just like this giant laser ball that obliterates things. It's great. <laughs> So and after they, we, after they do great... it, and like, listen, adhesion cockroaches toast. Uh, they do it, and Raita just looks down at it, like in shock. It's like, what destructive power is this? And then we get an awesome shot of Maria, who just throws a really nasty look and is clearly just very irritated, and then she disappears. Right, but it's cool. You know, this is this is still her warm up monster. Yeah, she's she's getting back in the game. So we flash away from there. We see Mika, who is on top of a building, uh, and like on like an observation deck, and she's got the music box that her dad had made for her. And the Jetmen show up, and they say, "You know, your dad actually was a good guy." And Mika says something, but she has made her peace. She has made her peace with her father. Ryu and promises now, and that they will it. all protect the world that her father loved so much. End of episode. That's right. So Dan, and that's it. What is your high point of the week. Okay, before I talk about my high point, because I have a really good one this week, I want to talk about your theory as to how Mika's dad gets this information into her brain. Because I also have a theory, and I'm wondering if we have the same idea. So what's oh. your theory? I think so. We get we hear that he is putting a lot of work into that music box. And like building yes. it very okay. carefully yeah, we by have hand. the same idea. Yeah, and that he has somehow like programmed the song of the music box to insert technical schematics into his child's brain to be able to power a deadly laser gun. Yep, yeah, that is, okay. I guess we don't actually need to have a bunch of conversation about it because that's exactly what my idea was. So let's just assume that that's the case. So my high point, though, for the episode, Matt, it's actually really early on, and it's Guy and Ryu when they're about to have a drink that's the lead up for my moment, but my, my high point for this episode is when the chief calls and Ryu and Guy just look at each other and we're like, 
yes, and they nod, and then they both leave at the same time to go fight monsters. That's uh, my high great. point for this it episode. Is, it is a really great moment, especially after the episodes that we've just been coming out of, to kind of just, you know, remind everybody, like, hey, this is where we are. These guys are now finally cool. Everyone's on the same team. Like, Guy is excited to help. Ryu is not ordering milk at the bar anymore. Like, everything is great. So what is your low point? Oh, my low point, actually, is just the complete inability. No, you know what? My low point is actually the fact that nobody thought to think twice about the visual appearance of adhesion cockroaches' attacks. We said we weren't going to talk about it anymore. Uh, I did say that. I feel like I'm not just because I'm saying it was my low point. But yeah, okay, that's my okay. low point. It was weird and strange. Uh, how about you, man? What was your high point for the episode? Uh, it is one of two things. It is either that great shot of the chief with the gun. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah, guys. she just looks She just looks so happy. Like it's like, a deep joy welling up from her soul. Like she like it is Christmas morning and she has just gotten like that <laughs> brand new toy that she's been begging for. Um, it was either that or the moment at the end of Mika's dream where like she's dream hugging the ghost of her dead dream father. Um, they're forgiving each other for, you know, the various problems in their relationship. And he says, okay, now you take this. And in that moment, what he is saying is, dear child, please go build the ballerest laser pistol of all time <laughs> to shoot a murder cockroach from another dimension. And like, I know that he's not saying those words out loud, but if you imagine that he is, because that's essentially what's happening, it's such a great moment. <laughs> Okay, man. So, what is your uh, what is your low point for the episode? Uh, man, what is the low point of this episode? Um, it was really hard to follow, honestly. In some places, like there was a lot of cutting around. I'm still not sure what building they were in most of the time. Like, yeah, I, that's. I, I, I True. guess that sh- that Mika has a house, but like, does that house contain like doctors and machines, or had she been somewhere else? Like, there is so little explanation as to what is going on in like the step by step of this episode that if you are stopping to like look away from the screen to write down notes in your steno pad, uh, it can get a <laughs> little tricky. <laughs> that, I mean, listen, well, uh, not everyone who is watching this show has that particular handicap, but uh, it, it made a weird morning for me, Dave. <laughs> so um, so I think that's it from us this week, yeah? Yeah, that's it. Uh, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter... We are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and listen, I hope that you do. We hope you do. Please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help new people find the show. If you are one of the people who have done that, you have my thanks. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.